Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, friends, we continue our theme this week after the Nativity of the Lord uh, with the blood of the martyrs, right? The church surrounds the solemnity of the Nativity with the feast day of many martyr saints, right? St. Stephen, the Holy Innocents, and today's St. Thomas Becket. It, again, it was the, the blood of these martyrs, not chemicals, not dye, that dyed these vestments red. These men and women and children who throughout the many centuries of the church's history, it was their complete allegiance and adherence to Christ that like their unwillingness to capitulate when things got incredibly challenging. They gave their lives up for the sake of the Lord. So like I said, today the church raises up St. Thomas Becket for us to look upon and to, uh, to be inspired by. All the saints, they have, they, they have so much in common, all of them together. They, all the saints have like, incredible heroic virtue, incredible courage. They have a devotion to Our Lady, a love of the Eucharist. But all the saints also are incredibly diverse. Right? It's holiness that makes us different. Sin is what makes us the same. Sin is, sin is a boring, grayifying slush. That's all it is. It just makes us boring and the same. Holiness is what diversifies. Holiness is what brings out the incredible beauty and complexity of what God has designed in us. So St. Thomas Becket, what's his story? Thomas Becket, he was appointed the Chancellor of England and the Archbishop of Canterbury by his friend, his friend at the time, King Henry II, back in 1162, so the beginning of the 12th century. Soon after his appointment, Thomas resigned the chancellorship and began to reform his life and the life of the clergy in England at the time. So the church, um, the church was going through quite an upheaval at the time, in a good way, right? So uh, Pope St. Gregory, we call him Gregory the Great. Pope St. Gregory had, had begun some pretty significant reforms of the church, reforms of the hierarchy, reforms of canon law, reforms of liturgy, things of this nature. And one of those reforms um, was to kind of extricate the church from civil uh, secular authority. It, it was the case back then that bishops and um, abbots and, and heads of orders were appointed by uh, secular authority which you can see how that could be very problematic, right? So you had people buying ecclesiastical offices, those sorts of things. You had uh, just a lot of abuses. And anyway, Gregory and the Gregorian reforms were were taking uh, root in the church and it was having a beautiful effect. And Thomas himself became kind of convicted of the Pope's reforms. And he was at the time facing some serious mounting pressure from the king to accept certain arrangements, if you will, that would have been very advantageous for the crown and very, well, I guess disadvantageous for the church. This led to uh, kind of a blowing up of the relationship between Becket and King Henry, um, leading Thomas Becket to go into exile for seven years in France. And the Pope had to intervene and try and broker this peace agreement. And there was excommunications, very dramatic. You've probably seen the film, you know, the whole candles, excommunicato. Anybody see that film, Beckett? Nobody? Okay, well, you got some, some, some of us have. Okay, Dick has. He's seen the film. Okay. All right, so while, there was a time in that, in that sort of 
uh, exile period where Thomas was considering a sort of compromise position, but he just determined that that was just impossible. It was impossible. At one point, I love this, at one point historians say that King Henry just bellows out in frustration, will someone rid me of this troublesome priest? I hope someday someone says that about me. I hope so. Anyway, so then on December 29th, 1170, uh, King Henry took matters into his own hands, ordered four knights to go into the, uh, to the cathedral, swords drawn, and they uh, slayed Thomas Becket there at the altar. There's five witnesses who were there, and all of their witness testimony is, is pretty much the same. It was a pretty horrific um, scene, if, I mean, you can imagine. But again, how fitting, though, that this man, who had been so deeply converted to Christ's heart, and Jesus' Paschal mystery, like who had sought to conform himself even more deeply to Christ's passion and cross, that this man would offer himself up at the altar, right? His blood mingled upon the blood of the altar. You know, when you and I, have, I've said this before and I've said this recently, when you and I consume the Eucharist, when we come forward and we're presented with the body of Christ, what we're being presented with is the whole Paschal mystery, you're being asked, do you want to be conformed to the Paschal mystery? When you say amen, you're saying yes. I want the Paschal mystery, the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus to be recapitulated in my life. It's a, it's a spiritual bone marrow transplant. It's, it's, it's saying yes. I would like, yes, the Holy Spirit to continue its mission of trying to Christify me, to to make my life after the pattern of Jesus' life, which is not just Palm Sunday. You don't just get Palm Sunday Jesus riding into the crowds, Hosanna, Son of David, everyone loves me. No, you get Palm Sunday and you get Good Friday. You get the full Christ. You get the whole Christ. Now, here's the question. Will any of us be martyred for our faith? I don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem entirely likely, at least not in the sense that Thomas Beckett was martyred, you know, with swords drawn. Far more likely, though, far more likely for us is the temptation to hide and privatize our faith through, I mean, what really just amounts to the bullying tactics of this present age, which, let's just not mince words about it, it's an increasingly totalitarian uh, government in which we live, live an increasingly totalitarian country, which is an unbelievable thing to say, but it's true. It's an age where moral and, like those who have moral and religious convictions, those who say that, that there are certain oughts and ought nots, it's an age where those sorts of individuals with those views are being more and more pressured into silence. That's us. That's the church. That's the church. Rod Dreher, I don't know if you any, any of you know Rod Dreher, he's, a, he's an orthodox political, religious, cultural commentator. He wrote an incredible book back in 2020 called Live Not By Lies, based on Alexander Solzhenitsyn's Harvard address, his commencement speech. Solzhenitsyn, of course, was the, the um, I think he was Russian, but he, he was in the Gulag. He wrote that the Gulag archipelago, and he came and he just kind of blew the lid off of the Soviet system. Anyway, I can't recommend that book more highly, Live Not By Lies. Rod Dre, he said in an interview, a um, year after the book, he was promoting the book, an online interview going back and forth with questions. 
he said this about what's, what he called soft totalitarianism. And I want to read this, this quote, and it, it kind of bears quoting at length, so just bear with me here. It's, it's pretty powerful. With Thomas Beckett in mind and these martyrs in mind, Rod Durer says this. When people think of totalitarianism, what comes to mind is gulag, secret police, torture, basically Stalinism or Orwell's 1984. This is understandable because that was the 20th century experience. But if we are looking out for the KGB agents to come roaring down the street to haul us off to prison, we're not going to see it and we're going to miss the, other, the softer ways totalitarianism is emerging in our society. Totalitarianism is a political system in which only one political ideology is allowed and everything in society becomes politicized. An authoritarian government only wants you to obey politically. A totalitarian system wants your soul. When you see something as absurd as Oreo cookies celebrating LGBT Pride Month with rainbow-colored fillings, you know that you are dealing with a totalitarian mentality. After the Russian Revolution, the Soviet chess society tried to keep politics from infiltrating the game. They put out a statement saying that they wanted to keep chess for chess' sake. The communist government chastised them, saying that all things, even chess, must be made to serve the revolution. This is the same mentality that makes Oreos woke. Hard totalitarianism depended on inflicting terror and fear of pain on people to force them to conform. Soft totalitarianism, by contrast, depends on people being afraid of losing comfort, status, and at worst, employment to force conformity. Nevertheless, because so few people today will be willing to suffer for the truth, a la Thomas Beckett, it will achieve by softer means what the earlier version achieved through harsh means. I want to say that again. The age in which we're living soft totalitarianism, it will achieve by softer means what the earlier version achieved through harsh means. What's more, I think that the enforcers won't need to resort to hard tactics to enforce their ideology. They will use sophisticated surveillance technology like the Chinese social credit system to regulate consumer privileges and access to jobs. Nobody will be sent to prison for their faith. They simply will not be able to buy or sell if they are judged by the algorithms to be bad citizens. China is well on its way to implementing this kind of control. This was 2021, and that's fully the case now. So friends, right, in this present age with the gathering storm clouds, we need witnesses like Thomas Beckett. Thomas Beckett to inspire us to live not by lies and to have our eyes fixed on Christ, to have our eyes fixed on our true homeland, to have our eyes fixed on the truth and to to be inspired to not capitulate, to not participate, to not agree with the lies, to be willing to suffer discomfort. Discomfort. And it begins with every Eucharist we receive. If you don't want the Paschal mystery, don't come forward and receive. If you don't want to be conformed to him, his full life, don't come forward to receive. Let your yes mean yes. Amen.